Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be spoiler-free of details from future episodes, but we will have full spoilers on for previous episodes that we have covered on our podcast. A terrified scout who does not realize that there is an invincible vampire coming after them. I'm Jason. Harrison, I am so excited to say that we are watching Angels Season 1, Episode 3, In the Dark. This is officially the first real crossover between Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. We are picking up from the harsh light of day where Oz brings the gem of Amara to Angel. Unfortunately, Spike tags along for the ride. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Starting it off with Rachel, so <laughs> Yep. But we're gonna play some intro music now. Well, Harrison, I went back to my uh, went back to my uh, pre-made cocktail collection, and um, today we're today we're drinking the tropical painkiller because you know what else are you gonna drink the week of Thanksgiving? <laughs> um, like this is this uses rum as the majority of the uh, of the tropical theme drinks did in that set. Uh, let me actually look up what an actual tropical painkiller is, though. I mean, I'm assuming it's either coconut or pineapple or some weird thing. Uh, it's a rum cocktail trademarked by Pusser's Rum LTD, their signature drink. It is often associated with the British Virgin Islands, its place of origin. The painkiller is a blend of Pussers, or any rum, with four parts pineapple juice, one part cream of coconut, and one part orange juice, well shaken and served over the rocks with a generous amount of fresh nutmeg on top. It may be made with either two, three, or four ounces of Pussers Dark Rum. As you can see, I am drinking this just the drink within a cocktail glass, so probably not the way it was intended. <laughs> what happened last night?
I'm actually very... So you're not tempted to drink it? <laughs> Uh-oh. I actually made a, um, a very cool bourbon purchase. Um, so uh, Ian Somerhandler and uh, Paul Wesley, uh, for those of you who don't know, they play uh, the vampires, uh, the vampire Salvatore brothers in Vampire Diaries. They recently made... Oh, like over the pan, like over the course of the pandemic, in search of projects to do, they recently made their own bourbon called Brothers Bond. They were always interested in doing that because uh, throughout the show, one of their like go-to drinks in the Salvatore Mansion is bourbon. Uh, so, um, and then they're like, "Oh, let's let's make it together. We'll call it Brothers Bond." But uh, they had a um, they had a pre-sale for it. Um, last week and i was able to pre-order two bottles which was um fortunate because the pre-sale like sold out in just like 10 hours um so that'll come in that's like scheduled to ship in february so i will be very excited to um the first drink i will actually have with my brother um but uh the uh, I will be very happy to have it every now and again here on Booze and Buffy. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really funny though. Um, they, uh, uh, I was watching um, I was watching an episode of Vampire Diaries, and uh, Elena was uh, trying to work out so that she could uh, get like stronger to fight any vampires she should see and uh demon comes in and like just starts pushing down on her uh on her barbell and sh and she's like this really hurts and he's like come on buffy you can do it <laughs> so the the vampire diaries are very much aware of like what they owe um a lot of the vampire television success to so yeah It's the blue barracudas from Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yeah. Of course, Pikachu's ears are tipped in, uh, the tips of them are black, I believe. Oh, the shadows. I gotcha. But, uh, hey, um, yeah. Oh. I have also been in that position as well. I'm like, hey, can we postpone this?
Ooh, waffles. Well, thank you, and that goes doubly for you. <laughs> uh, the toasts usually come off the cuff, so I'll probably just be like, uh, you know what, here's to, uh, here's to bacon uh, in all its forms. <laughs> Uh, well, like, I mean, there's, there's like regular bacon, but there's also turkey bacon. There's the vegan bacon that Ron Swanson throws away. Um, <laughs> and, uh, like, not only do you, like, get a delicious treat out of cooking bacon, but you also then can cook stuff in its grease, and it makes it even more delicious. Oh, yeah, that's classic. That's a classic. Oh, that, that's, that doesn't sound palatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I was really high on bacon, but now I'm like, I don't want to think about bacon anymore after that story. Good job, Harrison. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be fine in a couple minutes. Um, you know who isn't fine? Uh, Rachel. Um, as sh this poor young girl who is, um, running down the streets of LA. And this is funny because we always joke about how an episode of Buffy either starts in the library, the bronze, or a cemetery. Usually the third one. Now we're getting used to uh, where an episode of Angel typically starts, and that is more often than not an alley in L.A. And uh, I, I like the... F <laughs> and I love the fact that they actually kind of joke about that when um, Rachel, who is being pursued by her really asshole of a boyfriend, Lenny, um, says, oh, she's like, oh, somebody's going to hear me scream. He's like... Hear you scream at night in L.A., which, I mean, he's probably not wrong. But I do like the fact that they're kind of making fun of this before it becomes a thing in Angel. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so you would think that there's something supernatural going on here. Because, you know, it's, it's Angel. But there really isn't. Um, and... Yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, guys don't have to be demons to be total assholes. Um, but yeah, so he's... Ugh. Who gets, who gets alluded to in this episode. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. Uh, right now, um, Lenny is saying that, uh, basically calling Rachel a slut. And, um... Then saying that all of his problems are Rachel's fault. So, yeah, this clearly isn't the best relationship. Um, then he then he pulls out a gun, but fortunately, Angel is there. And, uh, yeah, like, one, one solid punch to this guy's face and he's down. Which makes sense, because, you know, vampire versus human. Yeah, he's just a dude.
Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I almost feel kind of bad because, like, you, you aren't going to be able to get another actress to do this sort of role because this is, like, kind of a one-shot thing. Like, you can't really have your standard damsel in distress. Like, this is a character that would feel very appropriate for like an episode of law and order svu um but uh but yeah like it, it's not the kind of even though this will probably be like when you think about it this will probably be the main base of angel investigations clientele um this won't be like a featured player that often this type of person won't be a featured player that often because you got to have supernatural stuff happening um, in this case, the supernatural stuff is standing on a rooftop um, as Spike is watching Rachel and Angel talk to each other, but providing his own narration for it. Um... Yeah. Well, I mean, he spends so much time with, uh, he spends so much time with, uh, with Angel, um, when, uh, you know, him and Drew and Darla were, like, tearing the world apart or whatever, that, um, he knows, like, he pretty much knows what Angel's all about. Uh, yeah, but honestly, it did kind of strike me at how homophobic this, this rant was of Spike's, um, I was going to say, like, first of all, he throws off, um, he throws out Puff, which, um, I feel like is more often you, or, do you say Poof? But yeah, that was, that's much more of, like, a UK, uh, slur against gay people, so, actually, we probably shouldn't be saying it, but, um, uh, okay. Uh. Well, I mean, I guess you're technically allowed to. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, he calls his hair gel Nancy boy. Um, yeah. Yeah, here's a point that I want to bring up. Like, when it does come to, uh, say, in this case, you've got um, homophobic uh, 
derogatory language. Um, or in, uh, in another case, say, um, how every white character in a recent Quentin Tarantino movie is, like, perfectly fine with just throwing out the N-word. Um, typically these guys are bad guys. So, I mean, at, at what point, like, it, I'd even go as far as to, like, say some of, the, like, the awful things that, um, some of the characters in Game of Thrones does, like, characters who are legit, like, bad guys, like Ramsey Bolton and Joffrey Baratheon, the stuff that they do, or in other shows or movies, the stuff that they say, it's obviously, like, really bad, um, and people get upset about it, um, but at the same time, it's like, it is the bad guy who's saying it, so, I... Oh, is that is that Danny Northstar? Oh, cool. I didn't know that she was the main character. Like, I literally don't know anything about the New Mutants movie. Um, but, like, the minute that she said, like, oh, Native American um, mutant, I'm like, oh, that's either got to be Danny Northstar or um, the guy who plays uh, Warpath, um, who's another uh, mutant. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a nerd showing. <laughs> Yeah.
of all of the ableist stuff. Yeah, and it can, like, it can, yeah, it can, like, kind of probably, I guess, sting and kind of take away from your, take a little bit away from your enjoyment of the movie. And, yeah, and I, I ask, I ask this because, I mean, I'm very much, like, the, the demographic that not a lot of slurs exist for, so, um, I've never had that, uh, experience, like, I mean, yeah, call, like, somebody calling a white person a cracker in a movie doesn't like doesn't do anything to me so i'm like yeah you know what you probably deserved it <laughs> yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, I think it is important, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so we got Spike. However, we also have Oz, who is uh, parking his van um, at Angel's building, which is really funny because I'm looking at the Buffy wiki right now, and Oz's van has its own page. So, yeah, the... Which is, and it's, and it's really funny because, like, I mean, we just mentioned last week how there was that girl that Parker was trying to do his whole routine with, um, in front of Buffy, and that is literally her only appearance, and yet she has a Buffy wiki, so I appreciate the, uh, the, um, cons the, uh, uh, the collective overall, um, complete, complete nature of this.
Yeah, if really, if it was Buffy or Willow, um, because Willow would like immediately try to start talking about relationships and stuff like that. But I mean, Oz, Oz has a um, has a very uh, laconic rapport with um, with with uh, with Angel, um, and it's really funny that Cordelia kind of like tries to force some kind of like conversation and like wow Cordelia you clearly have forgotten about Oz's whole shtick <laughs> yes uh <laughs> and uh just just like I feel like we should just throw this spoiler out there. He doesn't. He Xander never appears on Angel, and the series is all the better for it. Uh, I'm sorry. That is kind of like a spoiler for the rest of both these series, but I think we I think we're okay with it. Send your angry emails to Harrison. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think any small business uh, associate could very much relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it it's funny, and I'd like to think that um, Cordelia's reaction to seeing Oz is kind of like the reaction to a lot of Buffy fans who are like, "Oh my gosh, it's a crossover! It's a crossover!" It reminds me of like how when shows there are some shows recently that have done crossovers, and I feel like the actual crossover. I feel like that's kind of more or less done with and it's done very infrequently now um, just because of like the way that media is in general. So um, like I feel that when shows actually do crossover that they always make a joke about it now. Like um, obviously when Family Guy and The Simpsons crossed over they they like started by making fun of like an all in the family modern family crossover and Chris is just like yay crossovers are great because they show off the strengths of both individual shows together and 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 Sue's like all right Chris just pump the brakes on that and uh, and then like um, recently the uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine crossed over with New Girl that was like a couple years ago and like. Yeah, and and that's when Jake is like, "Oh, I need to, I need to commandeer your your van," and uh, and Jess yells, "It's a crossover." <laughs>
you're going to get so much. You're going to do so much of that. You're going to get a whole lot of that throughout the Arrowverse, just a heads up. No, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> but yeah, um yeah, Oz shows up to uh give the gem of Amara to Angel. And uh, Doyle and Angel immediately know what it is. And for those of you who didn't listen to our episode last week and haven't watched the episode recently, <laughs> haven't watched this episode recently, it is the uh, ring that makes vampires invulnerable to anything. Sunlight, stakes, the whole sh- the whole spiel. Um, but yeah, and, and uh, Oz says that uh, Angel wants... Or Oz tells Angel... Buffy wanted him to have it, which I I like that, and I don't know if like if that was part of of David Boreanaz's thought process, but I'm kind of wondering if he was also kind of like trying to relate to like oh, last last time one of us gave a ring to each other, I was giving my Clotta ring to Buffy. I don't know if like he thought that at all, but I mean, he, I like it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, you know, the other main character of the Buffyverse. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but uh, Angel doesn't. Angel seems reluctant to put on the ring, so he actually goes and hides it in a, in a sewer tunnel. Um, <laughs> and, like, uh, but everybody else is, like, going to a pub to go eat and drink. And, uh, or, um, in Doyle's case, to... <laughs> To uh, make wild claims about the book Angela's Ashes. Ha <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I'd be upset. So, so, okay, here's Jason's alternate reality. Um, I, it's been a while since I saw this episode, but I'm pretty sure when I initially saw the episode, I immediately, like, uh, extrapolated from this thing that, uh, oh, well, this means that, uh, this means that, uh, Angel's gonna want to try to, like, keep the gem of Amara because it'll make him able to, like, uh, stand by and, like, uh, stay there while the cops show up, um, and, like, you know, be more present and be able to, like, go to court and stuff like that. Um, obviously that's not what it's about, but, like, that's kind of, like, that was kind of, like, my idea for why the Gem of Amara is there. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we we've got a law firm. We've got a law firm. And and actually when you think about it, this show kind of is just a supernatural law and order. <laughs> law and order AI Angel Investigations. Um Yeah, like alternate titles for the for the show. Um but yeah, so uh, so Angel's like, oh, he wants to go help Rachel just in case Lenny comes after her. Of course, while he's trying to get to his car or his spike, so previously called it the Angel Mobile. <laughs> it happens so much in this first season. Um, but yeah, uh, Spike does show up, and uh, and they have a really good fight, like. You have to think, it's been a while since um, we've seen Spike and Angel fight each other. Like, it always seemed like they were, because they were either on the side of, they were either on the side of good, like the last time that Angel showed up in, or excuse me, that Spike showed up on Buffy in Lover's Walk. There's, um, uh, then there was a time that they were basically all working together, um, in uh in the second half of season two of Buffy, um so probably like wasn't around the time until like uh Spike first showed up and then like a couple of appearances after that they were actually fighting each other and not like fighting each other's minions. They usually go to Buffy, yeah.
Yeah. It, it actually makes me think of, I don't know why this is the first thing that I thought of, but it makes me think of, um, you know, like, when the Avengers, when uh, Captain America actually, like, fights Thanos in, uh, in Avengers Endgame, we didn't really get a lot of Captain America actually fighting Thanos. Um, it was, because, uh, like, I mean, I think he tried to fight him, but that was, like, when... Uh, that was when Thanos already had, like, most of the Infinity Gems, or excuse me, Infinity Stones, um, in, uh, in Infinity War. Yeah, but then, like, I mean, you had, yeah, and, like, and we've spent enough time with Thanos up to, like, that point in Avengers Endgame that, uh, oh, we're totally ready for, um, like, it's not only a fight between him, um, it's a fight between, like, the three main Avengers and Thanos, and, um, I honestly think that there are parts of that. I honestly think that's a better sequence than any fight with Thanos in the ensuing giant battle afterwards. Uh, mm-hmm. However, musing on the Avengers fights aside, uh, one can say that this fight between Spike and Angel is really cool because we just don't get to see them fight that much. And actually, as the Buffy wiki reveals... This is the first time that they've actually fought each other, even though there have been, even though they've been in constant conflict uh, since season two. Uh, this is the first time we see like a really honest to god brawl between Angel and Spike, and I think it's great. I love it. I love it so much. Um, I just want to point out, uh, just in the Buffy Wiki uh, page image for this episode. Um, that has the, a fight between Angel and Spike, and it's very homoerotic. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Honestly, everything between Buffy and Spike is, or is between uh, Angel and Spike is homoerotic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not to speculate, but I'm going to speculate. You know that Angel, Spike, Darla, and Drusilla were smashing in every conceivable formation amongst those four. Oh, I don't doubt it. They could write their own Kama Sutra. <laughs> I mean, I really... I, I'm not gonna... I'm sorry to derail us, but I would actually really, like, be into, like, a comic book prequel uh, that's just, like, the adventures of those four. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. I think that could be cool. Uh, oh, and uh, funny thing to bring up uh, the Angel and Spike relationship. Uh, Whedon-esque's um, podcast or Twitter account had a poll recently, and it was like, oh, big question. Angel and Spike are in charge of dishes. Who washes, who dries? And there are three options. There's Angel washes and Spike dries. Spike washes and Angel dries. And then the third option, which is, of course, the one that I picked, is... They say sod it all and start kissing. <laughs> Is that <laughs> okay? <laughs> what? What? Oh my gosh! I just I no I was just like thinking of like <laughs> who washes and who dries. Is that the new uh, who's who's the top and who's the bottom? <laughs> I mean, it could be. You never know. <laughs> uh, Spike's a total bottom, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Angel and uh, Spike are in the middle of this fight, but uh, fortunately, uh, Doyle and Cordelia show up, um, and uh, Spike is like, oh, hey, Cordelia. 
where'd you get that where'd you get that dress and or where'd you get that uh top or, or whatever and she says like oh you know from a store down on wait a minute <laughs> oh but yeah oh uh, never change cordelia no, unless but... it's a natural character development change so then yeah spike basically just says like all right give me the gem of amara or i'm like i'll I'll give you a, uh, I'll give you some time to give me the gem of Amara, but you better get it to me. And then just goes off. And so Angel's like, hey, Cordelia, go to Doyle's place and you guys just lay low because Spike might decide to, like, come after you. And, uh, mm-hmm. and Cordelia's like, why do I have to go to Doyle's place? And he says, well, he knows you. He could find you. Um, like, Doyle's place is probably the safest for her. Which, yeah. I mean, um... in all fairness, Spike never comes to Doyle's place. Yeah. Well, he has no idea who Doyle is. So, yeah. I mean, it'd be it'd be way easier to track down Cordelia. Um, Cordelia does make the good point that, um, well, doesn't matter. He can't come into my place without an invitation. And I believe it's Doyle who makes the excellent counter argument that he could just burn the entire building down. Um, so. Yeah. Um, property destruction is not above... Uh... Or William the Bloody is not above property destruction. Oh, he is not. <laughs> uh, he he loves it. In fact, <laughs> he lives for it. Um, he literally caused like an entire sinkhole in Sunnydale last <laughs> week. <laughs> I don't think he he's above burning down a building. Okay, so um, while uh, so basically Angel goes to still check in on Rachel. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad he didn't forget about that. Uh, because, you know, until after this scene. I wouldn't part. say that he forgets about it. I'd say that the writers forget about it. Um, Fair. That's a, that's an, I think that's a more forgiving and more accurate statement. But yeah, um, and, uh, and while, uh, Cordelia, and while that's happening, Cordelia and Doyle are at his apartment. Cordelia, of course, decides to just rip the shit out of his apartment because it's dirty <laughs> and i'm like really cordelia really we've seen yeah. your apartment it is it is no ritz nasty so, yeah um but uh basically doyle just starts going through his uh his fo- his little black book of contacts to uh see if he can get any information on spike and then we have this scene with um with angel and rachel and it's honestly a really nice heart to heart it's a really good Mm -hmm. it's a really good um depiction of what you have to face when you're in a um a bad relationship uh yeah like rachel says that oh a lot like half the time this starts because i start jonesing for lenny and and I mean, that's like, I know people who have been in bad relationships and they've told me that, that, that even in spite of like all the crap that has been done to them by this, their significant other, they mm-hmm. still like, they don't want to leave because either, either they want the familiarity or they want the safety of like staying in that relationship. Cause they obviously see as like, well, it's really dangerous for me to get out of that relationship. Um, and uh, yeah. it, that's a that's a shitty. There's place a certain to be amount in. of uh, like devil you know, yeah. uh, versus the devil you don't. 
Yeah, but then um, Angel and uh, it's hard to. I, I wouldn't say that he's been in a uh, in a traditional abusive relationship. Uh, could easily just say that like he's abused by he's been abused by his vampire, he, his um, his lack of a soul, and uh, mm-hmm. unless you want to like count Darla as an abusive relationship since he, since she turned him into a vampire. Uh, but I mean, either way you look at it, Angel does bring up a good point. It's like when you're in something, when you're in a relationship like that, you need to get out. Um, and it may seem like Mm -hmm. it's a bad, it may seem like it's a, it's a rough thing to do to get out of it. But once you do, like it pays off in dividends and Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's why you need a support network to tell you that because I mean I have been fortunate enough mm-hmm. never to be in a relationship like that but I've seen people who have and that's yeah you you, you need as much help as you can get mm-hmm. yeah and it's unfortunately extremely common um, yeah and um, yeah but yeah it's it's a nice little scene but it kind of it feels out of place. This whole story arc feels out of place. Mm-hmm. Bec- for one, it's lack of supernatural um, supernatural qualities to it. Like, it is just a regular human woman being abused by a regular human asshole. And... Yeah. <laughs> and, um... And in the midst of, like, all of the Gem of Amara stuff and Spike, it just feels so strange. And... As we'll see later on the episode, it's not even mentioned again until the very end. So yeah, it's yeah, it's very. You're right. It's extremely. It feels very out of place, and I feel like the episode even struggles to connect it. Um, It doesn't connect it at all on a plot level. But um, I might be more forgiving of that if if it connected it on a thematic level. Um, But it really doesn't even do that. I feel like it really stretches itself with the whole, like, at the end where she's like, I found a little faith. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really connect to what Angel's going through in this episode with the Gem of Amara. It's uh, it's, it's just very disparate. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess and, at the very... And this is stretching it thin. Like, the only connection I can think is, like, Angel is, um, Angel is doing the right thing right now the way that he's doing it. So that's like mm-hmm. a little bit of reassurance after he makes his decision at the end of the episode. So yeah, but again, that is that's it doesn't quite connect in like phyllo dough. <laughs> yeah, um, and and also it just you know it doesn't get it, it that disconnect and that like it gives this story of Rachel it does her a disservice of not being able to develop this story in any meaningful way. Um, I. Because basically, he he basically leaves her with this advice of just, like, you gotta get out of the relationship and stay out of the relationship. And, but doesn't actually actively do anything to help her with the more present issue, which is this violent guy who is pissed off at her just got out of prison. Um, so it's, like, it's nice in, like, a um, uplifting sort of way, but I, I'm kind of just, like, Angel, like... She actually needs like physical help, not a not a rousing speech. <laughs> um, and you know the episode ends on a note that seems like Rachel's gonna be just fine. So it's like okay, good. 
But yeah, it's just it's it's very underdeveloped. Yeah, but let's get back to the actual developed story in this episode. Mm. Um, Doyle gets a hold of Angel, says that oh yeah, I have this friend Manny the pig. I believe his name was. Yeah, Manny the pig, <laughs> yeah. and he. This guy who we literally just get like one scene, like one small cut with, and uh, yep. yeah, random pig. Um, <laughs> he's not actually a pig. Uh, he's just that's just his name. Um, important to actually really important to uh, clarify on this show. Really, yeah, it is. Um, but uh, yeah, Manny the pig had told Doyle that he had not seen Spike, didn't know where he was. Of course, he also said this before Doyle had a chance to ask about Spike. So <laughs> that immediately gives Angel a path to follow. And it is a path of just beating the shit out of people for information. He is dead yeah. set. He is dead set on getting to Spike. And eventually finds himself at a, uh, at it, like in this uh, poker game. Or he's disrupting the poker game. Uh at this uh, club, and these guys basically lead him to Spike. And Spike is just kind of like, you know, in the alley, eating a woman. That's that's what he does. Yep. Uh, that's what he does. It is what he does. And one, he, of his, uh, one of his favorite activities. <laughs> yeah, there's probably that and, like, longing for the British punk days. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the great thing about those two activities is that they can be done simultaneously. It's true. You could totally like listen to Rock the Casbah while just draining a chick of her bodily fluids. <laughs> you heard it here first, people. <laughs> Don't try that at home. You'll get it all over your carpet. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Put down some plastic, uh, you know, go, put go, on your go uh, Patrick way. Bateman. <laughs> uh, okay, Dexter. I went Patrick Bateman, you went Dexter, but uh, both both um, excellent role models for how to uh, keep your murder area sanitary. Oh, but Patrick Bateman might be more appropriate because he did listen to Huey Lewis in the news whilst he killed that guy with an axe, so... It's true. He actually went on, like, the lengthy discussion about it's hip to be square and they're just like oh hey paul <laughs> i i rewatched that movie recently and yeah christian bale's delivery of the line hey paul before like just delivering the killing blow had me in hysterics it's so funny oh my gosh like it's so it's so cool because that's an early christian bale i mean not Obviously not Newsies or Empire of the Sun early, but uh, it's an early Christian Bale before he, like, kind of established his, like, gruffer characters um, going forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, not the least of which is Batman, but um, there doesn't really seem to be a part like Patrick Bateman that uh, Christian Bale has done. And that's why, like, I think American Psycho is just, like, a nice, fun little... Like, oh, hey, let's make fun of yuppie culture. Um, yeah. Uh, American Psycho is where my uh, um, my teenage like massive crush on Christian Bale started. <laughs> uh, <and laughs> shock of shock. It has continued to this day. <laughs> uh, no, actually, not really. Um, it's I, I, 
I still like Christian Bale. I still think he's a very attractive man. But like two thousands to like two thousand to like two thousand ten Christian Bale was like peak Christian Bale for uh, me. Understandable. Um I I um you know, I, I mean no disrespect to the to the man. Um but <laughs> that was like in high school he was like he was like my crush. He was my everything. <laughs> um, and of course, as I've gotten older, my tastes have just uh, shifted to James Marsden. <laughs> they do that, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Christian Bale that you're no longer that you're no longer in love with him, and he's gonna be mad. <laughs> he's gonna be just so crushed. He'll he will <laughs> definitely care. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> Spike is eating a Spike. woman in an alley. <laughs> yeah, um, Angel chases after him and then uh, gets uh, Spike up against a fence. Not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, and Spike says, "Oh no, you've caught me. What will I ever do?" <laughs> Actually, hang on. Let me see if I can get the accent. Oh no. You caught me. Whatever. No, that's that's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> Good try, though. Yeah, I, I was like, <laughs> I think I was just kind of like rolling the dice to see if I could land on that exact <laughs> accent, and I and I think I got like a region a little bit to the southwest. <laughs> see, this is why I almost never try the attempt to the accents. I'm so bad at them. Uh, it's. It's honestly not, like, the thickest of accents, so you really don't have to put too much effort into it. And I think mm-hmm. I just put a little too much in there, and it got a little close to being, like, an actual accent from that country, as opposed to whatever Spike does. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, but then, uh, obviously Spike is joking, he did have a plan, and uh, yeah, this guy, like, there's a there's a vampire behind Angel that just like throws a chain around him and yeah like around his neck and so yep. yeah and then this guy's like got this weird smile and uh, yeah he turns out to be uh, an angel or bleh, what's that <laughs> got some word salad going on here um, yeah he turns out to be this master torturer called Marcus. Yep. Yeah, that, that's right. The vampire gets a name, Marcus. I hate Marcus's face so much. <laughs> I, 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 he has the creepiest looking face. Uh, no disrespect to the actor who plays Marcus, but uh, you, you have a creepy serial killer face. <laughs> but yeah, and even worse than that, his face does not match his actions or his rep. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Spike. That's where his creep factor kind of ends. Is the uh, is his face? Spike is uh, basically saying that this Marcus guy is a master torturer who has like this uh, reputation for um, even inventing some of the worst types of torture. Spike doesn't say what they are. Um, but yeah, all he really does throughout this scene is like shove some hot pokers through Angel mm-hmm. while he plays some Mozart. Yeah, it's it's like it's nothing that like we haven't seen Angel subjected to before. Um 
and we've seen we've seen worse torture like the torture scene with giles in uh um oh god uh becoming um was much more effective than this um yeah i'm not i'm just not buying it marcus yeah not buying what you're selling yeah he's honestly he's kind of a lame vampire um and uh yeah, he basically, he starts off by um, opening up Angel's shirt and then just, like, kind of holding onto his chest. Which... Now, okay, so here's where Marcus starts to win me back over <laughs> um, for a moment. Uh... Because, I mean, if you have the opportunity, who wouldn't do that to David Boreanaz's chest? Listen, I'm not going to say that like open shirt chained up angel is my jam i'm not going to say (laughs) it but i think we all know at this point (laughs) it's like uh, you're starting to like make this strange tapestry that is like james marsden of a bare-chested david boreanaz uh christian bale mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah from 2000 to 2010 christian bale so like basically <laughs> very clear about that yeah so basically like uh christian bale when he's just in his underwear in uh, american psycho mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. or less <laughs> but um, when did this podcast get so horny oh wait it... episode one i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like it's you you've done this <laughs> And I think I've just gotten more confident about it as time goes on. I'm just like, well, that's because I I kind of let you been... have I kind of let you have free reign, and I'm like, no, Harrison, don't do that. I I just kind of let you go. I gotta let you be your own guy. That's right. Um, but yeah, while every time Marcus is like stabbing Angel with a red hot poker, he says, "Oh, Angel, what do you want? What do you want, Angel?" And uh, it's it's kind of it honestly just seems a little bit more like a like a collection of stereotypes of serial killers as opposed to something that's unique to Marcus. Um yes. Yeah. Marcus's whole shtick, I mean we've already said, just doesn't really work. And this part this part of the episode really drags. Yeah. Like if Marcus were more threatening, if Marcus Marcus's torture were more any literally literally, more anything like i think this could be a really like tense cool sequence but it's not so it isn't it's just like it feels like this script came in like seven pages short so they had to fill it with something and then there's like the random info drop of uh of like oh he really likes children eating them and doing other things and I'm glad we don't go into detail about that because I really, yep. really don't need that in my life right now or ever. No, um, <laughs> I, I'm glad to. It's kind of like what we talked about on Lonely Hearts of like, you know, uh, there's a certain line um, and the line is different for every show or film or book or whatever. But there's a certain line and sometimes it's OK to go over that line. But I think in this case, you know. 
I'm glad we stayed on uh, on this side of it. Yeah, and like I mean, obviously WB in the 1990s compared to like even CW nowadays, um, you obviously get a lot more. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, they don't go too hard on network shows just yet. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and so while this, yeah, and uh, of course spike is getting pissed off he's like getting impatient so he spike never (laughs) so he like he he breaks off a stake and he's like threatening to just like oh you know what don't talk and i'll kill you but marcus is like uh yeah well you know if you kill him you won't get the ring and uh angel knows that i know that so there's no point in even bluffing and so then spike's just like yeah well you know what screw that and just throws the (laughs) throws the stake on the floor um angel's like hey you know you're trying to get me to give you the location of the gem of amara but you're also hiring another vampire who clearly would want the ring as well and to get the information out of me and spike is like well he guess what he doesn't want the gem of amara he just wants to torture people which it's just so dumb from Spike. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, it, I get the, it's, um, I think it's in character of Spike's like, uh, I I think it's been pretty well established. Spike's very short sighted, um, and impatient. And, uh, um, so I do believe that he would have this idea that this guy is so single mindedly focused on torture that of course he doesn't care about anything else. Um, but yeah, that's obviously like a stupid yeah every vamp- conclusion to come to. Every vampire besides Angel wants the gem of Amara. Yeah, uh, think about how much tor- more torture he could do. Yeah, he could like go after <laughs> children during the day, which he does. But we'll get to that later. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, and uh. And so, like, Spike kind of responds with, uh, saying, like, uh, oh, I ran into Buffy recently. You know, Slutty the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Rude, Spike. <laughs> Slut-shaming is not okay. It's not. Um, yeah, believe it or not, Spike, not the greatest of guys. <laughs> I've, you know, I'm starting to, I'm starting to suspect he might not be. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> and he actually kind of mentions, uh... Or he alludes to the fact that mm-hmm. Buffy, like, uh, basically had sex with a with a guy recently. And um, so, yeah, you thought we were done with Parker Abrams. We're not done with him just yet. <sighs> Parker fucking Abrams. <laughs> Worse than Spike. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, and uh, so this, like, Angel obviously gets a little sad about this. Because, I mean... Nobody likes hearing that their ex is off doinking some other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then Spike's like, oh, well, please resume with the torture. And so Marcus continues to just, like, shove those hot pokers into Angel. And um, meanwhile, Cordy and Doyle are very uh, worried about not hearing from Angel. Um, so they uh, they go to Angel's apartment where... Spike has just been, like, throwing shit everywhere. 
like I, <laughs> everywhere. I, I do like to think that like the direction that was given to uh to Spike was just, you know, go at it, man. Like if you feel like you need to break <laughs> something, throw it on the ground. And <laughs> I, it's funny because it's you know it's obviously and this is not um um restricted to just this scene, but like I feel like anytime there's someone like searching for something in someone's place that's how it's always done of them like throwing <laughs> shit everywhere making a mess and i get that it's very visually dynamic um but it's also a terrible way to try to find something you're making it harder for yourself yeah, you're making it by making messier. such a mess <laughs> <laughs> it go through this uh, in an orderly fashion i know spike doesn't like doing things in an orderly fashion yeah, we can. It, it's very easy to see. Like Spike was clearly planning on getting the gem of Amara back in Sunnydale, and you notice that like he had a fairly well laid out plan, with the mm-hmm. exception of you know letting Harmony in on the plan. Um, <laughs> yeah, but hey, the the dick wants what the dick wants. Um, it does. But uh, yeah, and so like he a lot of his plans in LA have been kind of rushed because he he didn't have time to put together a really good plan. So yeah. now he's just pissed. He's like, I want my ring and I'm fucking tired of all these do-gooders. Yeah. Basically, I, I it's a really good sum, summation of where Spike's head is in these two episodes. <laughs> but God uh, damn it, I just want the fucking ring. <laughs> but Cordelia shows up with Doyle and uh, Cordelia's got a Cordelia's got herself a little hand handheld crossbow. Hot, <laughs> hot. Hey, Cordelia. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put aside my typical disdain for the crossbow. Um, one because Cordelia looks hot with a crossbow. Um, but it'll, it, it, I feel like in Cordelia and Doyle's case, um, crossbows are a more practical weapon since they don't have the Slayer strength. Yeah. Um, keep some distance between them and their enemy. So I, I, uh, while I will continue to be disdainful of Buffy anytime she uses a crossbow, um, I am, uh, I will, I will be more forgiving of our non, uh, powered characters. Also, I think, um, I think the handheld crossbows might be easier to reload than the full size crossbow. I'd imagine they I imagine they'd have to be just the, 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 the weight of, of it alone. Yeah, um, would be would be less. But you know, Buffy just wants that crossbow <laughs> every time. It's fine. But but, but yeah, and uh, even though they threaten uh, Spike, he says, "Hey, you know what? You'll be dead before you can even pull the trigger on that." Um, he then calls a uh, he then he then calls Doyle a Mick, like acknowledging that he's Irish, and I and um. I don't know if this is technically a, uh, technically like a, a, a slur, but it sure as hell doesn't sound like it was sure as hell being used as a slur in this case. Yep. So. Yep. Definitely not, uh, not a kind thing to say. Uh, Spike, can you believe it? Can you <laughs> believe it? We were just talking about how great his character was at the beginning of this episode. Oh, gosh. Uh, but rascal yeah. but yeah so spike says hey i'm torturing angel 
and I'll kill him if you don't get the ring to me by sundown. And uh, so that so then he leaves, and Cordelia and Doyle are like, oh shit, where is this ring? Um, Angel is uh, since Angel's been alone with Marcus, he's been like kind of moving the uh, stake that Spike made just um like right to where his uh feet were like mm-hmm. he's kind of like been putting in between his feet and uh, in order to uh in order to like kind of let marcus drop his guard marcus says uh like marcus once again asks him what do you want and uh he's like and i'll know if you're lying and so angel says i want forgiveness and uh then marcus just kind of extrapolates from there it's like oh of course like you don't you want all the guilt to be gone you want there to be just darkness and uh and this like gets him close enough to where angel starts to like use his legs to stake marcus but in the end uh spike shows up just in time and uh mm-hmm. grabs stake from angel marcus is like marcus just pissed and just punches angel <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which you know, for like a cold-blooded like torturer, you would who you would imagine it would be. I, I feel like the traits that a torturer would have are like patience, um, and like um, being methodical, um, and you'd have to expect your victim to put up some sort of fight. Um, so this very emotional uh, reaction that Marcus had just has just. I think just further proves to us that Marcus is not, not, not the badass that he uh, he wants us to think he is. Yeah, but the uh, the torture resumes. Um, so Cordelia and Doyle have not been able to find the gem of Amara in Angel's apartment, and Cordelia's like, "Oh, well, then I guess the only place that we can look is the sewers that he goes through uh, during the day." Uh-huh. Um, and so they go down there and realize that, oh, we'll never be able to find the ring. This isn't a needle in a haystack. It's a needle in Kansas. Yeah. And, love uh, that line. Yeah, no. That is a great line. Yeah. And, um, so Doyle tells Cordy to, like, get a little bit ahead of him. And when she's not looking, we get to see his demon face. And, uh, yeah. he's able to use his, uh, he apparently has heightened senses in his demon form. And this leads him to, like, immediately figure out where the ring is like under a brick under the brick where angel hit it and it's just and cordelia's like how'd you find that he's like well you know just good luck so we need and they're about to talk what oh go ahead i was just gonna say we haven't really talked about this but what do you think of doyle's demon face just like the design of it i think i think if it had been (laughs) this is gonna sound uh this is going to sound uh, paradoxical, but I think if it, if they had access to better CGI, then mm-hmm. it would look really cool. But like, I, I like the overall design of it. It just in execution, it, it looks a little like, you know, cheap. And yeah, uh, I agree. But I mean, this clearly won't be the last time that we see it. And I think in later appearances, it looks a little better. Um, Well, I think when it's on longer um, and they can do a more practical effect for it, I agree. I think it does. It does look better. Um, But yeah, that that's the the transition in particular. That CGI is woof. 
Yeah, but it is like it also kind of takes you by surprise a little bit though, because I mean we're so used mm-hmm. to seeing Doyle and just his you know Doyle face. <laughs> yeah, it's such a drastic difference. You know, when Angel or someone or any other vampire character, you know, when they vamp out, um, you know, obviously they look different, but it is still you know the basic like the, shape their of their skin face color. Is there, yeah, yeah, the skin color stays the same. It's it's mostly just the brows. For Doyle, it's everything. It's it's yeah. a total transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're like, oh, yes, now we've got the ring. And they're like, oh, well, now we have to give it to Spike, give him exactly what he wants. And they're like, yeah, we kind of need a plan. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they eventually end up meeting Spike, but they're like, oh, we, we got the ring, but we want to see Angel first. And Spike's like, oh, fine. Takes takes them into where Marcus has been uh, torturing Angel, and they're like, "Oh well, here he is now. Give me the ring." So Doyle just takes it out and then throws it. <laughs> I think Spike is once again just like, "Ugh." Spike's level of like patience like wasn't high at the beginning of the episode, but it's so fun to watch him. Like every time something doesn't go his way, just get. More and more, uh, like, furious. I, I think I've mentioned this scene before, but there's a, um, this reminds me of a very good scene from Vampire Diaries in, uh, when, uh, Klaus, who's actually, reminds me a little bit of, um, a little bit of a higher class version of Spike, now that I think about it. Um, he, uh, he's basically, like, trying to go through this whole massacre thing and kill a bunch of people, but all these spells are put up to, like, protect everybody. And he's like, fine. And he just, like, starts leaving the building. But then he, like, hits this (laughs) magical barrier. And the look on his face is just like, I am so goddamn tired of you people. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, here I am, a centuries-old vampire, and I have to deal with all these fucking mortals. (laughs) But yeah, that is that is Spike's level right now. Um, but just yep. as Spike is finally getting that ring that he wants oh so much, boom! Right through the wall comes Oz's van. I love this. Oz has been um, uh, he's been out of the episode long enough to um, uh, to like kind of make you forget not forget he was there, but like. It could be easy to have been like, oh, his only appearance was going to be at the beginning to drop off the ring, and then he has to go off and do his uh, do his gig and go back to Sunnydale. So, um, I I love this kind of surprise return. Yeah, here, I mean, you, cause um, you've been you've been focused on you've been focused on Spike this whole time. Hmm. Uh, but yeah. Uh. Uh. Yeah. Oz crashes through the the warehouse, pulls out double crossbows. Hot. (laughs) And uh, this gives Doyle and Cordy enough time to uh, unchain Angel and get him into the van. Uh, And so they drive away. And Spike's like, God, whatever. And but then he sees that the ring is gone and he finally puts it all together that Marcus (laughs) made off with the ring. And at what? this, and at this point, uh, 
Spike has just had it. He he takes that record player and just smashes it on the ground. <laughs> and he's just, just like a full on tantrum. Yeah. He's like just yelling to himself like you do the work, you do the digging, and what do I get? Royally screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be sure not to yell too loud or I'll clip my mic. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's so funny. And then he just... He even like... Uh, so one of the things that uh, Marcus had been doing was like shooting holes in the ceiling to, you know, torture Angel with sunlight. Spike, of course, during this whole tantrum walks right under one of those holes and his head catches on fire. <laughs> Just to add insult to entry. He puts it out, and then he's just like, you know what, I hope they kill each other. And that's the last we see of Spike. Yep. That's a wrap (laughs) on Spike. Um... Yeah, it's it's very, uh, it's fun. And I mean, James Marsters is just so good. He he is. Um, Definitely the highlight of this episode. Which... I think the writers knew coming in ahead of time because Spike is such a popular character. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it makes sense that he's technically the first Buffy character to cross over onto Angel um, mm-hmm. because he was in a scene before Oz was. Of course, di- that is of course discounting Angel himself and Cordelia. Well, yeah, but I don't consider them <laughs> Buffy characters anymore. I consider them Angel characters. That's fair. That is um, a that is a, a very fair uh, assessment. So, um, speaking of James Marsters, uh, guess who just uh, showed up as a very special guest star on Smallville? Oh yeah did i did i never did I never tell you that James Marsters was in there? I think you did, or I knew he was going to be in there eventually. So someone told me probably it was you, but I just I just got to like where he showed up, and I was like, ah, James okay. Marsters. So you have an a. You haven't reached the episode where there are possible vampires, and there is I a, think there's a supporting. I think character. it's my next episode. There's a is supporting it called Thirst? Ca- yes, and there's a supporting okay. character named Boffy, I believe. Beautiful, um, yeah, that's Boffy my next Saunders, episode to watch. I think. Um, I um on my uh, TV Time app when I was marking the last episode I watched mm-hmm. the thumbnail for the. The next episode looked basically what it looked like was Lana like with her mouth open like a vampire. Yeah, and I, 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 with the, that and the name, I was like, "Is that going to be a vampire episode?" It's not a particularly <laughs> good episode, and it's it is really funny because like in the promo they show like a they show a little clip of of uh, James Marster's character, uh, Doctor Milton Fine, saying vampires don't exist, Clark. And I'm like, you guys are having too much fun with this. They knew their audience. They they did. Um, but anyway, back to uh, back to this vampire show. Just a heads up, that vampire episode isn't good. Um, I'm very. Is it like? Is it at least fun bad? You know, it, it's never been an episode that I've revisited. So. Okay. From what I can remember, it's it's an eye roller. So. Okay. All right. I don't know. Maybe maybe you'll find enjoyment out of it because I'm pretty sure the last time I saw it was the only time I saw it, and it was pre watching Buffy and Angel. So mm. maybe there's more to laugh at there than uh, 
than I had the first time. Um, I'll report back. But yeah, uh, so they're trying to, uh, they're trying to be like, okay, we need to get back to, um, we need to get back to Angel's apartment. He's like, no, we need to find Marcus. He somehow knows that Marcus took the ring. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a leap, but uh, okay. Uh, you want a leap? How about the fact that like, oh, Marcus has a thing for children, so they and he couldn't have gone far. So of course that leads immediately to them going to the boardwalk where Marcus yep. just happens uh, to be. This bit where Oz uh pulls like the most badass U turn in his van. Yeah, it's pretty no, badass. Like, I, That's like I feel like if I would have tried that, then that van would have just flipped over. Right? I mean, I remember I used to um, before I had a car of my own, I would drive my parents' cars whenever I need to get somewhere. And uh, uh, back when I was like in high school, and um, my dad had this SUV, and um, I remember uh, I remember one time I was like, get I was on this expressway exit. Um, I was getting off and there's a, uh, there's like this light and I wanted to make sure I got that light cause it's a, it's a light that takes a long time to change. So I mm-hmm. hit that turn a little quicker than I was planning <laughs> on it. And I'm not going to lie. There was like a moment when I thought the SUV would have flipped over oh, if I'd been so going terrifying. faster. No. And I'm like, and I realized, oh my gosh, SUVs are not meant to do turns like that. And I think nope. vans even more so. But no, nope. uh, Abs- especially not a van like that. I mean, it's a big van. Yeah. Um. So, uh, good job, Oz. I, uh, uh, I, I don't think we applaud Oz's uh, van driving abilities as often as we should. So, no, nope. uh, good dude job, is Oz. There with a dude Shoot. is there with a very convenient form of transportation. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, so Marcus has kind of like just been, you know, putting on some sunglasses, enjoying, enjoying the boardwalk, enjoying hanging out in the sun, <laughs> and then he sees on the uh, boardwalk uh, this uh, scout troop. Not sure what kind of scouts they are, but uh, and so he immediately sees them. And he's like, "Ooh, kids!" and starts going yeah. towards them until you know Oz drives right onto the boardwalk and bashes into marcus everyone is so cavalier about all of this because just another day in la right cordelia shoots marcus with a crossbow and um and doyle's like trying to like fight him and everyone's just like oh interesting yeah performance art the only people (laughs) the only people that run away are the kids which is, which is like it's only because Cordelia tells them yeah. to. She has to, and she has to tell them more than once. Doesn't she have to be like, "Get out of here, get out of here," and they like yeah. don't move. Yeah, she's and she's like, like "Fucking go, go." go. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to say those kids deserved to be eaten. They need to learn. I that don't they could want be eaten. to say it. <laughs> um, but then, uh, but yeah, but then Oz is like, "Oh, are you sure about this?" And he's like, "Yeah." And so he's like, "Open the door," and. Um, he opens the door. Angel jumps out of the van, immediately bursts into flame because uh, he's jumping out into the sunlight, and then just, just like pile drives Marcus off of the pier and into the water. Which this moment is so badass. It is. <laughs> it's it's one of the top moments in the episode. I mean, yeah. It, I'm not a huge fan of this episode, but it's got some badass moments. Like mm-hmm. just the. 
everything involving the van and yeah <laughs> and, and this fire this flaming tackle uh, yeah and uh, and of course like the the spike angel fight um mm-hmm. but yeah uh angel pulls marcus like underneath the um underneath the pier so they have like a little bit of shade and yeah marcus might be a master torturer I use, i'm using air quotes on that which i hope <laughs> that comes across in my tone he is not a master fighter angel's nope. basically pretty able pretty easily able to dispatch him he impales him on a beam and uh which is kind of a cool death because like obviously he's still got the ring on so it doesn't kill him but then angel just like takes it off and then he it's a delayed yeah. dusting um yeah. it reminds me in a way of um uh that delay the delay in the dusting reminds me in a, a bit of friday's death um or no sunday's death yeah. um on uh in the freshman that like was she has gets the stake and then has like enough time to like be like what the fuck man <laughs> and then, uh, um except marcus is in no way as cool as sunday is no yeah, yeah she's pretty cool um yeah uh angel finally 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 puts on the ring and he gets to step out into the sunlight and uh everybody sees him and Oz comments on how pale he is, like paler than most people. <laughs> I don't know why Oz is giving him such a rough go of it because he hasn't tanned in two hundred years. <laughs> um, a little hypocritical coming from Oz yeah. as well. <laughs> I mean, when, seriously, when his hair is dyed dark, that dark color, whether it's the really dark blue or black, he looks yeah. super pale. So, yeah, Seth Green. Um, but, uh, yeah, and at first they're like, oh, we should probably go back to the hotel, and they're like, no, give him a moment, and Angel does take a moment to enjoy the sunlight, which is nice, nice little, nice little bit. Um, then we have our final scene, um, Angel is on top of what I assume is the building that, uh, Angel Investigations Mm -hmm. is in, and, uh, Doyle's, yeah, Doyle's sitting up there with him. And they are watching a very poorly CGI'd sunset. Oof. Uh, yeah. Oof, oof, oof. Bad. <laughs> yeah. Not good. Yeah. I, I'm i very glad that we don't get too many episodes from this... Van- we don't get too many scenes from this vantage point throughout the rest of the series. Um, but yeah, this one just really wasn't great. But Angel's watching the, sun ru- the sunset. And uh, Doyle's like, oh, well, you know can watch a watch one every day for the rest of your life and angel's like yeah no this is my this is my only one so uh and doyle doyle's basically just like why aren't you gonna keep the ring and angel then gives this uh angel then gives this kind of heavy-handed explanation for oh if i if i start living in the day then I won't be able to help the people in, who live in darkness because they need somebody to look after them in the dark because everybody else has forgotten about them. And mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's all right, but I mean, there there are much better reasons for why he doesn't want to keep the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, if if for um, uh, a point you brought up, brought up earlier was uh, 
off off recording was um what if uh, angelus got a hold of the ring like if he lost yeah. his soul and and then he'd be like nigh unstoppable and um i was just like oh well what there are plenty of other vampires that would want to get a mm-hmm. hold of the ring of amara the gem of amara yeah um so yeah those are and what he talks about with marcus earlier in the episode about not wanting his redemption and his forgiveness to be too easy um is also like a much better reason than than this reason that they give here so it's very it's yeah it's very strange that they don't even connect that point um yeah that they had already made um and i i am glad he doesn't keep the gem of amara and i'm glad that he makes the choice to destroy it and that it doesn't like just get destroyed in some contrived way on accident yeah um but the uh, the reasoning they give here is so thin, especially when, as we just said, there are two much better explanations of why he would want to do this, just right there. So that is a little disappointing. But in the end, Angel, as soon as the sun sets, Angel does take the Gem of Amara off and smashes it with a brick. Um, and that's when Doyle says, like, oh, this girl Rachel called, by the way says that she found a little faith, which was referring to uh, Angel, um, which was something that Angel told uh, Rachel mm-hmm. that she needed. She needed to find faith in herself to leave Lenny. And again, as we mentioned before, this kind of comes up at the end of the at, at the yeah. end of the episode after having completely forgotten about it throughout it the course really of this feels, episode. Yeah, it really feels like... Uh, Gosh, I already forgot who wrote this. Uh, Douglas Petrie. It feels like Petrie like was near the end of the episode and was like, "Oh shit, forgot about Rachel. Uh, she called. She's fine." Like that. That is almost how this comes across. Yeah, and then the episode ends with Angel saying, "Like, oh, you know what? I had a pretty good day, except for, you know, where I was nearly <laughs> tortured to death." And he says, "Like, you know, that guy almost." Like, I was almost about to give that guy everything. Like, the Gem of Amara, you, your mom. How's your mother, by <laughs> the way? How's your mom? <laughs> <laughs> I am very willing to bet that um, that last bit there sounds a little more David Boreanaz than it does Angel. So I, I, I don't see any reference to it on the wiki here, but I wonder if that was just a bit of improv that... Uh, that David Boreanaz did that they just decided to keep in. Yeah, because, you know, technically when you and another character are going off stage in anything, you typically kind of like, usually quietly, just kind of, you know, (laughs) mimic a conversation or like improv a conversation. So I'm pretty sure that's what this was. And Bruce Seth Green is like, that's hilarious. I'm keeping that. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, guys, um, that is in the dark. Uh, that is the yeah, conclu- first crossover. Yeah, and um, I'm gonna say this: I think this episode is kind of weak. Mm-hmm. I like the idea. I, I I like the idea of the of being able to cross over with Buffy, and um, there are some really nice touches in it. And obviously, like the big thing is Spike. Um, Spike's presence kind of saves this episode from being a total dud. But I felt like. Mm-hmm. The, I felt like um, the harsh light of day was a much stronger installment than this follow up. Um, I agree. Now, 
it's funny because the ne- our next crossover it is completely reversed uh but we'll get to that yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that in a while i'm gonna give this episode two two and a half out of five girls in an alley getting drunk while listening to the <laughs> while listening to rock the casbah not something All in the right. episode but something i made up <laughs> love it um yeah i i agree not as strong as um as as to the harsh light of day um and you know it's not shocking we're still seeing angel um finding uh angel the show finding its footing um much like we were at this point in uh buffy uh as it was finding its footing so um yeah i like we said there's a lot of good stuff in this episode spike is great um you know that the, the conversations um, I, I really think any of the conversations between our main trio um, in the various forms are, are really nice. There's great chemistry there. Um, but it really, yeah, it really suffers from pacing problems, particularly in the middle when it's so Marcus heavy. Because yeah, Marcus is such a dud of a villain. It re- yeah. Um, and like I said, if it wasn't for Spike, then... This episode would be like maybe even in the one one point five range for me because mm-hmm. it is just like it's kind of just a thing that happens. The Rachel storyline seems so mm-hmm. out of yeah. place, and it yeah. But um, yeah. so I'm gonna give this episode. Um, I'm gonna give this also two point five uh, out of five double crossbows. There you go. So that's like. 2.5 double crossbows is yeah like i don't know ten, how that math will work 10 crossbows or... <laughs> so yeah no <laughs> i think so. yeah i'm not uh, listen no one told me there'd be math <laughs> it, i guess it would be five crossbows 2.5 times <laughs> two <laughs> but 2.5 double crossbows uh but yeah anything else you want to say harrison I think I've said everything I have to say, so I will take us out. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Buffy Season 4, Episode 4, just in time for two weeks after Halloween, or, goddammit, just in time for two weeks after Thanksgiving, we'll have our Halloween episode, (laughs) Fear Itself. And, uh, yeah, we are, uh, again, uh, this this will be coming out after uh, after Thanksgiving and but you know safely before Christmas. So we we hope you guys have a good holiday season. Um, look out mm-hmm. for new Booze and Buffy episodes every Thursday because um, yep. we're still going to be going during the holiday season. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and um, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij three five seven and on Twitter at yamij. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. You can also find my ramblings on the horror genre at my blog, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com, in which I write about a horror movie every week. This week's movie will be the end of my uh, Friday the 13th theme month with Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning, a.k.a. The one without Jason again. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in both of those instances. Also, please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we're highlighting First Nations Development Institute. First Nations Development Institute believes that when armed with the appropriate resources, Native peoples hold the capacity and ingenuity to ensure the sustainable economic, spiritual, and cultural well-being of their communities. They invest in and create innovative institutions and models that strengthen asset control and support economic development for American Indian people and their communities. Visit www.firstnations.org for more info. And as always, go slay. And be gay, no matter what Spike says. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.